What's up, everyone? Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And this week, we're going to be talking about disappointing movie endings just after a disappointing NCAA tournament ending. So stick around. We'll do a national championship game recap, and then we'll list some movies that started great but kind of fell apart after. So let's get into it. All right, everyone, let's talk about the national championship game first. North Carolina, Kansas, for I guess the beginning of the game, it looked like Kansas was just going to run North Carolina out of the gym. North Carolina comes roaring back with a massive run. 21 nothing run, I think. Yeah, and like 32-10, I think, at one point in the first half. It ends with a massive lead, and now it looks like Kansas is dead. And then Kansas just comes out of the gate firing in the second half. It's a close game down the wire, and of course – you know, Kansas, the deeper team, I would say, the mm-hmm. more complete team that wasn't dealing with injuries. Of course, Baycott was playing with an injured ankle, probably, I would say, the most important player for North Carolina. And he, he was hobbling around towards the second half and then it finally rolled his ankle and was out of the game. And, and the timing of it was very just unfortunate. Yeah. With like 48 seconds left, they were down one, and he had a wide-open lane. And he slipped in the same spot. He slipped a couple times during the game and mm-hmm. turnover hurt himself and Kansas got the ball up one. So Kansas completed the comeback, the largest comeback in national championship history, beating a Loyola Chicago team from the 60s that also had a massive comeback, which is wild to think that Loyola Chicago was <laughs> competing for and winning national titles in the 60s. Um, and they have won their first title since 2008, the infamous or famous, depending on, I guess, who you root for, Mario Chalmers game. Um, Yeah, so I don't think either one of us are happy with Kansas winning. Uh, Mm -hmm. Both of us born and bred Mizzou fans. Um, What was your reaction when the the final buzzer sounded and you got to watch Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks celebrate on the court? Depression. Um, I will say they are one national championship away from the amount of level one violations they're being accused of by the NCAA right now. So if they win one more... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> FBI, watch out. Yeah, um, I we we don't like Kansas. Uh, it's what happens when you're a Mizzou fan. It's the team you're supposed to hate, even after we left the conference. Um, I think in football, uh, it was kind of more fun because neither one of us were winning national titles, and for a while we were both really good. And in basketball, we've been able to kind of keep up with Kansas at certain points, but obviously they're one of the three most historic programs I think in college basketball history. Um, I think what's even more sad is, is you look at this game and you actually look at where some of the players are from. Uh, yep. there, there's a lot of guys from Missouri mm-hmm. playing in this national championship game and none of them are playing for yeah. the Mizzou Tigers. I saw all. a tweet that said that 30% of tonight's starting lineup for the national championship game are uh, guys from Missouri. Yeah, so it's just it's sad to see that Missouri is a, is a quality basketball state, you know, and – just can't just can't keep players in house and can't seem to recruit them and keep them. Mm-hmm. And then when we do recruit them, like Michael Porter Jr., gets hurt. They get hurt and they can't play. So uh, let's talk about. I want to talk about the wild ending that we had to this game. So uh, Kansas goes up three with um, four point six seconds left. Um, and they they are they are inbounding the ball up three or four point six seconds left, and they just pretty much it's it's kind of inevitable at this point. Obviously, there's a possibility North Carolina can come back if they foul and Kansas misses free throws and they hit a hail mary of a shot. But it seemed impossible, and then Kansas just kind of an all time gaff. Yeah, just 
Dewan Harris just, yeah, just steps out. out of bounds right off of the inbound. You're like, oh, there's a shot for, for North Carolina. But I never believed they were going to actually convert. The, uh, you, you didn't think they were going to hit it? Really? I, I was not confident with the way they were shooting. Um, I, I just, you know, Love felt kind of off his game. I think he, he's got a lot of guts, and that can help him at times. But I think it hurt him in this game. I think he was inconsistent. I, I mean, UNC as a whole was inconsistent. Shot 21.7% from the three. Uh, under 32% from the field, had 13 turnovers. I mean, they won the rebound battle by a wide margin, thanks a lot to, to Baycott and Manic. But I, I just – offensively, they just seemed out of rhythm, especially in that second half. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think that play was run for Manic on the inbounds, and when he slips coming around the baseline, you're like, oh, this is it. This is done. Yeah. I thought they had a legit chance because I knew they were going to try to get Manic open. But he slipped in that same spot that Baycott and Love did. I don't know what was going on. Yeah, he was, but many he was UNC falling UNC for a players, good four seconds right there. M- many UNC players slipped in that exact same spot in the second half. which is So Kansas probably poured some Gatorade on this spot Bill or Self something. Bill Self freaking rigged it. That's six, <laughs> that's six violations now because they rigged it. But, well, uh, I will say that some of the, some of the calls um, that were going North Carolina's way don't even talk towards the second half, look, I, I, I got to say, like there was one where they called Remy Martin for a block on probably just the most basic on-the-ball defense I've ever seen in my life, and they just called that man for a block, and I was sitting there like, hmm, what's going on here? Well, they had to make up for it for getting Candace back in the game. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I I'm think – I think you look at this game, it was it was a really good game. It was a game of runs, as most good basketball games are. And it wasn't really pretty. I think there were pretty stretches from teams. But, I mean, if you look at the overall numbers for for both teams, and, I mean, you're not really seeing a bunch of, a bunch of greatness coming out here. I mm-hmm. mean, Kansas shot 44% from the field. They did 57% shoot. from three th- free throws. They were bad on the free yeah, throw line. Yeah, bad on the free throw line. They only shot 35% from three. I mean, there weren't a lot of turnovers in this game, but I think there were a lot of bad bad shots. Um, uh, it was a good defensive battle. I think Manic really stepped up as kind of, you know, uh, filling in Baycott's role as the interior defender and the primary rim protector there. Mm-hmm. I was kind of impressed with him and just his display of athleticism there. He was blocking a couple of shots. He blocked one uh, layup with his elbow one time. Mm-hmm. Well, even Baycott in the first half went 12 and 10. He had 12 points, 10 boards. And mm-hmm. but I, that, I think if he doesn't get hurt, I think UNC can win this. And you could tell his legs were, I mean, it's amazing he was still able to rebound, and I think that's just positioning and hustle. But mm-hmm. he, he was 3 for 13 from the field. You know, Baycott hitched. He goes at seven for thirteen, which for him would not be an uncharacteristic mm-hmm. night. I mean, he's getting buckets by the rim. That's that's an easy UNC win. They're coasting yeah. right yeah, there. Yeah, I think if he's not injured, it's a different game. But unlucky. I think Kansas had, you know, they've had this narrative all tournament that they they kind of came in with, I guess, the weakest. They they had the weakest path, you could say. But uh, this team was dominant, and I think that. You know they have the guys they could they could play with anybody and this UNC Not team Mizzou. was an eight seed but they were a they weren't an eight seed. No, okay? they shouldn't have. You give this team another week of regular season, they bump themselves up probably to a four or a three seed mm-hmm. with how they were playing. Um, they just weren't very deep and that Nova had the same problem against Kansas. You know mm-hmm. you're not deep and you have injuries and you you get in any sort of trouble and that's kind of it. Kansas has got bodies. That, I mean Kansas mm-hmm. had foul trouble of their own, but. McCormick and Lightfoot were, you know, they could trade off and were dominant down low. I was really impressed with McCormick as well. I think he's just so strong defensively and offensively. So. Yeah, it's painful to watch. I, yeah. 
overall, how did you feel about this NCAA tournament? This is the first year, obviously, back with fans. We had the canceled tournament in 2020, and then 2021 we had the pseudo tournament, but it didn't feel the same. Uh, this one is like the first normal tournament we've had. How did you feel about it overall? Um, I mean, it, of course, it's March Madness, so I loved it. It was fun. Um, forgot you kind of forget how much you love the tournament. Um, uh, but I, I was in a sense kind of disappointed. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many games were like, man, that underdog seed made a run but lost by five, mm-hmm. or this seed missed the buzzer beater. You or kept talking about the buzzer. There beater. wasn't a single buzzer beater all tournament, you know. Yeah. And uh, I feel like the, like the first round, especially, there were so many like, oh, the top seed won by six, like kind of close but not. Yeah. You know, like I just. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm expecting more buzzer beaters, but I I I swear there's always at least one in the tournament. Yeah, I think we have sometimes NCAA compilation issues where we, I do this a lot. Like when it comes to the beginning of March, I'll just watch like an insane March Madness buzzer beaters 30 minute video, mm-hmm. and I'll think like, oh, this is like this happens every year. Like mm-hmm. this is what it's like, and it's not. I think. I enjoyed it overall. I think it was a really quality tournament. I think we kind of got what everybody wanted. Um, I know some people are mad about the blue blood ending where everybody was kind of, you know, the expected team, I guess you could say. But, Mm -hmm. like, if you told me, you know, in late February that you thought UNC was going to be there in a national championship game, I would have called you crazy because I thought that team had a lot of weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And – I think that we had some great storylines. I mean, you got St. Peter's, a 15 seed, making an Elite Eight run. You know, you have Gonzaga again. I think at this point, Gonzaga choking has become its own, like, favorite reoccurring part of the yeah, it's tournament. Yeah, common at this point. Um, and to top it all off, I think what kind of what maybe is disappointing is that this national championship game didn't feel as important as that Final Four game. I, I feel like a lot of ways Duke-UNC was, you know, the – peak yeah. of the tournament and from it was kind of downhill from there i think that i wouldn't be surprised if it got more views than this game did yeah i think it was carolina's you in like carolina's peak i think it was you know the tournament's peak as a whole also what the heck are we doing why is the national championship game on tbs and ncis uh los angeles is on cbs or whatever mm-hmm. heck iteration of ncis sorry mom and dad but nobody cares um why what is happening why is a national championship game on tbs what are we doing Mm -hmm. uh the duke unc game averaged 16.3 million viewers which would give it second highest viewed college basketball telecast in the history of cable television once out of home viewership is included that is insane that and that game was insane. That was a great game. That was a. Be- I think mm-hmm. honestly, that was a better game. It had more emotion. That was a better game than this national championship game. Um, also, I I haven't got to say it on a podcast yet, so I'm gonna do it now. <laughs> Coach K lost. <laughs> uh, UNC really just. I I it's got to be tough to be a Duke fan. Um, and I say that kind of kidding because if you're a Duke fan, you know, you win national titles all the time and you normally have one of the top three recruiting classes in the country and every year you get to expect greatness from your basketball team. Mm-hmm. But you're never going to be able to talk to UNC fans after this. You could list the titles and you could do all this other stuff, and but they beat you in Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor and then they beat you in Coach K's last game ever and prevented him from getting to a national championship. Like I don't see how a Duke fan wins an argument against a UNC fan for the next decade. My rings. Like <laughs> yeah, you can't I mean it's That's it, about the only thing. It's like, like what have you done what have you done for me lately? Like mm-hmm. and 
I, I just don't – this UNC team was just so impressive, I think, throughout the tournament. And that game was amazing and one of the better college basketball games I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I think it kind of peaked there. But overall, I think this was a really, really good tournament. Um, and it feels kind of weird that it's over and now I don't I, – I guess I'll just wait until the NBA playoffs where, where I may not even get to root against LeBron, <laughs> which is like one of my favorite yeah, parts the of the heck, NBA playoffs. Man? I so, like seeing him whine. Yeah, so we're just losing our sports villains this year. I mean, I guess Kansas won, so that's a villain that's winning. But LeBron's not going to be in the NBA playoffs, and Coach K is now done forever. Tom Brady's so. still here, don't worry. Yeah, so Tom Brady – wh- here's a question I have. What are the chances Coach K pulls a Tom Brady and says he's coming back for another year because he can't end on a loss to UNC? Um, I don't think he's doing that. I think it's too much work. Like – Recruiting, pulling the team together, game planning, assistance. There's a lot more that goes into it than for Brady. Also, he's 75. Mm-hmm. Like he's he, got to spend time with his kids that are now in their 50s. Well, like when <laughs> also when you see him, he just looks like he's kind of struggling. Like he's getting old. Like, yeah, I think he's done. So I think he's done. done. Well, you wouldn't know based off of his hair color. The, it's true. the man I, has an impeccable natural. dye. No, um, it's natural. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 75 years old. He just has jet black hair. Um, I. But I, I, yeah, I don't think he's coming back because I think they. I they think you so got to start now, like recruiting. You got to start all that. He's stuff. already named the other coach, and yeah. I, I think that he's probably done. I, again, I mean, Coach K has kind of an unassailable resume. I don't like him. Like I, I don't like him, but I can respect what he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the three best college basketball p- coaches ever. Maybe one of the three best basketball coaches to ever live. You know, yeah. he's kind of he built an empire at, at Duke and. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of a fitting end, you know. They ended fifty-fifty. His record against UNC. Um, that's the way you have to go out. Yeah. You know, you either you're either gonna go out on top or you, you gotta lose. And you know, if you're gonna lose, you might as well lose in one of the all-time classics. Yeah. To a really tough UNC team. So. Yeah. He's five-time national champion, thirteen-time regional championship. That's final four appearance. Fifteen-time ACC tournament champ. Uh, Thirteen time ACC regular season champ, three-time Namath College Coach of the Year, five-time ACC Coach of the Year, 101-30 and 30 in, the, in the tournament. Is he better than Wooden? Also, he is 2-2 two and two in the NIT, so I think that kind of hurts his resume. That's true. <laughs> NIT. Is, he, is he a better coach than John Wooden? I don't think. I don't, how, I don't think there ever will be a better coach than John Wooden, right? Yeah, I think John Wooden has – you could use the um, – Ten-time uh, national champion. I don't know. No competition argument for wouldn't like he was playing at a time when there was less parity in uh, college basketball. Um, but all I'll say about this is if you're if you're gonna argue that there's a better basketball coach than John Wooden, um, show me somebody else's pyramid that they have hung up. Okay, there's the pyramids of Egypt, and then there's John Wooden's pyramid of success, um, and uh, the only other pyramids are bad. So. That's also, it. he's inject- he's inducted as a player and a coach, <laughs> just kind of cracked. <laughs> yeah, well, Wooden was playing basketball like right after it was invented. Heard his saucing on guys, <laughs> but I mean, the man did recruit um, Kareem and Bill Walton, um, two of the gr- f- probably five greatest college basketball players ever. I mean, Kareem was so dominant in college they actually outlawed dunking for a while because he was too good. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is ridiculous and also probably contributed to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just being really good at a sky hook. So <laughs> I guess that didn't really work, but yeah. So, you know, great, a great tournament, I think, but 
a disappointing ending for those of us that didn't want to see Kansas have their moment in the sun. Um, so kind of transitioning off of that, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to come back with good movies that, that disappointed us at the end, just like this NCAA tournament. So stick around. All right, so for the sake of full transparency, we probably would have done um, movies where the villain wins if we hadn't already done that. Uh, had we had known that this was yeah, going to happen. Had we had known that KU was going to win a national title, we would have just saved that idea. Yeah. Um, but apparently we are too smart for our own good. So we're now just going to do good movies with a disappointing ending. So I think for each of these, I guess I'll just speak for my list. I think I like all of these movies that I have listed, but I don't. I don't love the way that they ended it. And it doesn't mean that I hate the movie now. Mm -hmm. It just means that I don't want to revisit it as much as I did if they kind of stuck the landing. Mm. So let's start with your with your first pick. What What's the first movie you have that you think is good, but the ending is not? Uh, for me, I have Cloverfield. Uh, it's actually a movie directed by Matt Reeves, uh, who directed the new Batman. Um, bum, bum, bum. Sorry. Yep, I'm yep sorry. exactly. Um, it's... Uh, I. I think I remember just randomly finding this like on FX growing up, <laughs> and I and I actually really enjoy this movie. Um, it's takes place in New York City, um, and essentially there's a, just a group of friends uh, are at a a party celebrating. Uh, uh, one of the one of the friends I believe is about to take a job. Yeah, and they're leaving, and they're, he's about to leave, and this just mysterious monster um, comes up. I'm not even remembering sure if we know where it came up from, maybe from the water. Uh, it have to, um, yeah, and we don't really know. it just kind of starts, uh, terrorizing the city. And what kind of makes it creepy is that like, it's the whole movie's filmed on a camcorder. Yeah. It's found footage. Like one of the, f one of the friends is like recording this party. And then that literally is the entire movie of him, like recording it and stuff. And I think it kind of just makes it more intense. Um, like I think Nathan and my mother, especially my mom, really like gets really queasy at that. Like, yeah, I, I'm I not can't a huge that. footage person. Um, but you know, they, they go through it. I, th I mean, this movie was in 2008, so I think I can just pretty much spoil it because yeah. if you've not watched this, I'm sorry. But they go through. Uh, they're fighting it, right? They bring the army in, and um, you know, it's, it's just kind of yeeting them, right? They're just not doing too much uh, to hurt it, um, and essentially, they about. 70% through this movie, they decide like, hey, we're, gonna, we're just going to nuke the city, evacuate, um, and get out of here because it's coming, and if you're here, too bad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a classic horror uh, action movie, a couple of uh, friends killed off, you know, and they kind of slowly getting down. One friend um, blows up. Uh, yeah. This, this monster releases like little tiny spiders, and there's this pretty terrifying subway scene where it's pitch black. I think that's the most effective part of the movie for me is that that like, scene really gets the horror out. And he like going. turns on the, the uh, night vision on the camcorder in the pitch black subway. And you see like these little eyes on the ceiling of these spiders. Mm -hmm. And she gets like scraped by these things. And it's essentially like a quick infection, I feel like. Yeah. And it eventually like her, she starts bleeding from the eyes and turning pale. And then like, you know, they they take her away and you see like on a a canvas you don't actually see her blowing up because i'm not sure how they would have done that uh so you know just a couple friends kind of die off well and it ends like uh they don't make the helicopter the last helicopter get out and they end 
they're just sitting under this bridge and um the monster steps on them essentially <laughs> pretty well, much well well the the uh almost but the the nuke kills them oh yeah like they get right. under the bridge and they're just sitting there crying and it's just the it's just the boyfriend and girlfriend now at this point and uh you hear the nuke and the you hear the siren and then it, the nuke hits and the you know the camera like glitches and goes static and that's how the movie ends um, so what did you want from this ending? Like, why why does that disappoint you, and what did you want differently? I don't. I'm not sure if I have an answer for what I wanted instead. But part of me was like, like, it was just like sad. Like I was just like, what? Like I I feel like maybe there wasn't a better way to end it. But I was like, I feel like I was expecting something more mm-hmm. um, than just like everybody dying, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess we don't really find out even if they killed the monster. Because the the found footage is then destroyed, yeah. Or the so we don't know if it killed it. Um, Apparently it somebody found it because we're watching it. But yeah, that's true. So maybe <laughs> it did work, or maybe the monster picked it up. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the monster picked it up and was like, I don't know. Would Warner Brothers be interested in this? Uh, I'll send it their way. Yeah, exactly. Well, so you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like them getting on that helicopter and like flying away as they see the nuke hit the city and you see it the cloud or I don't know, um, but. But also maybe that was the the avenue that Matt Reeves wanted, right? They slowly are dying, and it's that's just how that's just how he wanted. That's how the vision he had for the movie, you know. Yeah, I um, think that I I I and I'm gonna kind of speak for you here. I don't think you hate movies with downer endings. No, but I guess that you just didn't feel like this one was served by having a downer ending. Yeah, no. Um, I I think I would kind of agree. I guess that whole part is like. If I remember correctly, there's some like relationship strife because they've been friends for a long time and then they like kind of have a moment where it looks like they're going to be in a relationship, but it goes badly. So then his reaction is to take this job in Japan and like move away mm-hmm. essentially and get away from her for, for a long time. And you kind of feel like maybe there's going to be some resolution at the end of like they'll find each other. And then it kind of just, I guess, just turns out on a dime. And I understand like, I don't know, I felt like the whole movie was building to that and then they never just gave us a satisfying conclusion. All the friends died. Yeah. They died. And then they, for some reason, like, all made a bunch of tangential Cloverfield movies, 10 Cloverfield Lane and the Cloverfield Paradox, which I think are prequel and sequels, respectively, or, like, I tried spin-offs. researching, and I, did, I didn't find a for sure answer if they were connected or not. I mean, they have to be in some way, but, yeah, I think that, that they also clearly didn't know what to do with it because I think that Hollywood Studios wanted to continue this as a series, and there wasn't really a way to... Um, so yeah, the I, Matt Reeves didn't do the, uh, the no. 10 Cloverfield or, or no, the other one. Okay. No, he was not involved in either one of those. So yeah, I would agree. I think that movie's kind of disappointing in the end, but I, I do think it's quality. It's one of the better like monster movies that mm-hmm. I've seen. Like I, it's better than I think the all, well, all of the Godzilla movies that have come out since like the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does a Godzilla story better than Godzilla has done. So mm-hmm. And I like the found fo- in this situation. I like the found footage. I think it really just yeah. Except that camcorder's battery is a is a hero. That's true. <laughs> um, because yeah, sorry, not <laughs> lasting that long. Just it isn't. But yeah. okay. All right. So my pick um, is is from our boy, our guy, Steven Spielberg, and it's a uh, War of the Worlds. Um, Steven Spielberg's movie, a uh, alien invasion movie. One of his alien invasion movies. Actually, he's made multiple. Um, and this movie, for, for those of you that haven't seen it, is, is about a, a dock worker, essentially, who is forced to kind of take care of and try to escape this alien invasion with his children. 
um, who's he's kind of estranged from. He doesn't he doesn't really live with them. Stars Tom Cruise. Um, I, it's a very good classic action uh, alien invasion movie for most of it. I feel like, and you can mm-hmm. see Spielberg's flashes. Um, Tom Cruise does some excellent running in this movie. A Tom Cruise. Staple. He's a good runner. He is a very good runner. <laughs> probably one of the best runners we've ever had on film. Come on. Um, and he does some excellent running in this. And uh, there's some tough decisions that his character has to make throughout it and it's kind of a heartwarming story about him reuniting with his children and kind of trying to overcome the baggage that is there and and save them um and a lot of it's kind of you know you could say by the numbers but it's spielberg making an alien invasion movie so it's really entertaining Mm -hmm. and then they just use the original ending from the book uh so it's based on a story by hg wells that was actually famously read by Orson Welles mm-hmm. uh, on the radio. And then I, there's some kind of hoax that like people believe the world, the worlds was real. And I don't think that, I think that that has become kind of legend. That's not actually true. I don't believe there was oh, mass really? panic. I thought it was true. Um, no, I think that they found that the whole idea of like people stopping their cars on the highway and running away, was like not as widespread as everybody believed. Mm. But the original ending is essentially that like, the aliens get killed by the flu. Like that's how, that's mm-hmm. how it ends. Like they're not ready for like earth diseases and, and you know, the air, the like water kind of thing. God in his wisdom, quote unquote, placed all these things to protect humans from aliens is, is what it said. Um, so like, you know, the aliens get killed. Um, I, that's uh, great for a book. That's a good ending for a book. I think, that is not cinematic at all. It's, I'm sorry. It's, mm-hmm. it's not. Um, even if you want to do that, you can like, I guess, just give me a, give me an action sequence. As they're getting sick, something. still blown like, up. Like, <laughs> just give me like a, oh, we're developing, they, we now realize they don't have immunity to these viruses. And we need to find a way to infect them. And that's how we're going to win. But it's, it's not that. Um, it's just, uh, it just ends. Uh, it just ends with narration and just this kind of like, oh, I mean, yeah, logically that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I this reminded me a lot of another Alien movie that I think has a disappointing ending, and that's Signs, mm-hmm. um, where I think the ending is the most of the movie is effective. Now, Signs is different. And it's not. It's more horror than action. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it's just the both end with like it's these resolutions that don't don't help you also what are the chances she doesn't like to finish her water and that's what kills them so the aliens and signs don't make any sense because why would they invade a planet made up of 70 percent water if they're allergic to it they're not going to like test that out first and see if the environment is hospitable because we have raising canes bro like essentially uh the worst nightmare of an alien and signs is a florida afternoon that rains for (laughs) an hour okay (laughs) like so that doesn't make sense. But I just I just wanted, you know, Spielberg, I wanted him to do something a little more. And I know that it's Walk me through exactly book, what happens again. They're just not used to the air. So or? essentially it it closes with um with narration. Um and the narrator is of course Morgan Freeman, our Come guy. On, let's always go. narrating. Um that just says that like, yeah, the aliens were not used to um just Earth's atmosphere and the diseases and the microbes and everything and that's what kills them so the aliens just get sick and die you know their their Dummies. vegetation doesn't <laughs> survive and they're so dumb 
yeah, they just get sick and die. And that, you know, that's kind of a great ending for a book, but it's not for a Spielberg movie where I've been dazzled by action set pieces and Tom mm-hmm. Cruise running from explosions and blinding light. What would you have rather happened? I think... Like a nuke situation? If like I'm a screenwriter, uh, I think here I'm saying like, yeah, let's keep this sickness, illness idea, but let's make it an active part where humans are actively doing that. Mm. Where they are like, they send a secret team in Independence Day style to mm-hmm. like the alien base and like poison them essentially. Inject the motherboard. And, yeah, something. with like the flu. I know that sounds kind of bleh and dumpy and like typical, but this is an action movie. This is an action alien invasion movie mm. that just ends with, uh, yeah, they got the flu and they died. And it ends in narration too. Like we get to see it kind of throughout a little bit at, at towards the end of the movie. We get to see like how the aliens are sickly and their vegetation is like withering away and you know, stuff starts to go wild, but it just feels like it's all sudden and, but Morgan Freeman, bam, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I guess they're like smoothing it over with Morgan Freeman's generation, but I just, I was just disappointed. I, I got to the end of the movie and I was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. It just, they just didn't take any Tamiflu. Like that was, that's what we got. <laughs> no, okay. I'm I will. Tom Cruise, Dakota Fanning and Tim Robbins did an incredible job in that. It's a very good movie. I, up until that point, but mm-hmm. again, like the rewatchability, like I don't really want to turn on more of the worlds. Cause I know that at the end of this movie, I'm just going to be like, Oh yeah, here's the sucky thing again. So, all right, what's your next pick? Uh, mine is, it's a little different. Uh, so I picked Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Um, so I think there were good parts to this movie. I don't think it was a good movie with a bad ending. I think there were good parts to this movie that was just done poorly. Um, the special effects, through the roof. Sound, the uh, soundtrack, through the roof. Um, even some like like action scenes when like, Kylo Ren like force handed daily uh Daisy Ridley force hands Kylo Ren the lightsaber. The lightsaber and, is yeah. so really cool. clean. Yeah. But I just think it was really poorly done. Uh and especially the ending when you just kind of find out that she was like I th- I feel like it was a right a, a lazy way of writing yeah. her as a um as related to um the Sith Lord. Yeah, to quote um the Godfather from The Godfather. I'm just going to say, look at how they massacred my boy. Like, what? The, you took the greatest film franchise of all time, and this is just... Plan plan it out. Plan your heckin' movies out. It's Star Wars. You're going to make enough m- money to make the whole trilogy, I promise. Mm-hmm. I promise. Write three movies in advance, please. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Because you go from Abrams to Johnson had a completely different vision in Last Jedi. And then it seemed like Rise of Skywalker, J.J. Abrams is just trying to undo everything that Ryan Johnson did in the last movie. And part of that is what you talked about, the Palpatine ending and somehow Palpatine return, which is one of the dumbest pieces mm-hmm. of dialogue I think that's ever been written in a movie. Yeah. They're like, let's just bring back the iconic characters because that'll get everybody to come to the theater. Right. And, yeah, I don't think this movie... I think it was kind of lazy written. No, I don't want to blame... A- maybe, maybe blame Abrams. I don't know, but I feel I like... I do. I want to blame J.J. A- Abrams, so I'm, I'm going to do yeah, that. I'm doing yeah. it right now. I just... I think he has the propensity to make good movies, and I think that this is not one of them. I feel like he should have just... Okay, yeah, this is not the vision I had for movie eight, but I'm just going to now work off that because that's where we're at now. Like, yeah. he should have just gone with it and made it work I mean, instead of completely trying to... And this is I, I, ultimately it's it's Disney's fault because they should have known that you needed a cohesive vision throughout. 
And I'm not saying you have to have the same director because not all of the original trilogy was directed by the same person. And the person that directed the prequel trilogy, good old George Lucas himself, directed all of those. Mm -hmm. And while they are cohesive, they're not well directed. So you could say, like, yeah, we don't necessarily need the same director, but there was no plan. There's no vision. And it feels like things are just shoehorned in and there's no stakes. Um, How did you feel about the whole Luke Skywalker plot? So... Here's my thing, and I can talk about this for 45 minutes. I think Last Jedi is unfairly, unfairly maligned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it was trying to do something new with Star Wars that hadn't been done before. Um, I enjoyed Force I Awakens, but it. it was a copy of A New Hope. It was mm-hmm. like almost a carbon copy of that. It introduced some new characters, and I thought that um, Last Jedi was, was trying to go in a different direction. I think the Luke arc actually makes sense. You know, a person who's been disappointed and and to for people saying that they could have based it off of previous source material in the novels, they did. Uh, Palpatine returning is actually part of the now decanonized Legends novels that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a garbage storyline that nobody likes. And they took it and put it in a movie. I think that Luke turning and kind of being this hermit makes sense almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, they just took and, and destroyed everything. I really just hate the Palpatine... I just hate Ray Palpatine. I just don't like that idea. Yeah. I and I, I thought she should be her own like new like self. Like yeah. it, oh no, you're just an, you're part of the family. Also just <laughs> they waste two immensely entertaining characters in this movie and um Finn and Poe. I think mm-hmm. both of them could have been much more iconic mm-hmm. um given the actions and Poe is just doesn't really do much. And and Finn, you kind of feel like could have been the leader of of the resistance and was kind of mm-hmm. like the next in line. And they also hinted him being a Jedi because he force senses, I think, Ray's thoughts or maybe her death in this movie, her death when she didn't actually die. But again, the, I think, yeah, they just completely fumbled the bag with this. I don't think I, I haven't met a single person that's like this movie. I've met some people that say they like it more than like Last Jedi or maybe even Force Awakens, but I haven't met anybody that's had a positive mm-hmm positive notion um i you know this is the the great i in my opinion the greatest like universe ever created and to end a trilogy and to end a film franchise so iconic as this with whatever the heck we got was just it's just sad mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's yeah they had to know that too i'm just surprised that uh, this and it's the same thing. It's it's the Game of Thrones thing, you know. They have a they have a through line. They have a vision, and then they try to end it earlier. They get some just people trying to exert some creative control and trying to get what they want out, and then you get an ending that nobody likes. I don't think anybody is satisfied with this. And what are they? Gonna, they can't go forward. They have ruined like Star Wars projects in the future. They now have to dive back into the past for almost everything because mm-hmm. nobody knows what to do after this movies they don't set up future movies which is what they should have done you know there weren't going to be any more mainline star wars movies but you can't even set a story after this because nobody wants to touch it no so So, uh, again like the special effects sensational soundtrack good as always john williams is in his bag again daisy ridley great job adam driver great job Oscar isaac great job john boyega great job but they're all working with bad material bingo so, so maybe yeah. more of a disappointing movie to an incredible a franchise. ending to a franchise, yeah. I think. Yeah. So my next one is going to make David mad. I just know it right off the bat. 
Um, and it's uh, I Am Legend for me is a good movie with a disappointing ending. Um, and let me tell you why. So I Am Legend is a the Will Smith vehicle, which now is kind of controversial to say, I guess. Um, yeah, I like a Will Smith movie, but uh, it's a Will Smith movie about a man on his own um, who is forced to navigate a confusing, I guess, zombie vampire apocalypse. I don't know what these monsters are technically, Mm -hmm. but he's living alone in New York. Um, This movie, I remember being a humongous deal when I was a kid. Like this was, I was terrified by the way, and it has some great emotional moments. He of course meets um, another survivor and uh, their child uh, and, and the other kid's child. And is like, uh, trying to survive with this family and learn that he's not the only one out there because he thought he was the only person left alive after this What's disease. What's happened in New York City? The disease has turned everybody into monsters, and yeah. those that didn't get turned into monsters were killed. You know, and, and it, it was, was a potential cure for cancer, right? Yes, yeah. um, and that's what happened. And it, it, it kills almost everybody. And you know, he's there's j- really some iconic shots of him walking around and just empty Times Square and stuff that's really cool, like mm. deer grazing in the middle of park avenue and you know some crazy shots um and i think this is very well acted it's super emotional i (laughs) this is a movie where a dog dies and that (laughs) was tremendously sad because he has to put his dog down because his dog gets infected um and so i want to talk about the theatrical ending which is the ending that i saw um and why i think it doesn't work and why the other alternate ending that they shot is better and the theatrical ending um in order to save the lives of his new friends that he has met, he puts them in a bunker of sorts or a safe in his basement and then charges at a horde of these monsters while opening a grenade. That's pretty much it. That's how it ends. And then they move on to like another human settlement that they find. What, what the, what, first of all, I looked at the safe. There's enough room for all of them. Just get a bunch of food in there and wait out the monsters or throw the grenade and then hop into the safe. That Those are options that exist. And two, I've seen the alternate ending. And in the alternate ending, you kind of get this more complicated story of he's been working on a cure for this disease that's making the monsters. And you learn at the end that he actually kind of works and he turns the monsters back into people. And, like, he sees the human side of these monsters and that they're, like, just trying to save those that are connected to them. Um, And they're much like people they love and they care. And um, he's realizing that maybe he can make a difference. But that's not the one that we got. We got the one with Will Smith opening a grenade and then charging into a horde of zombie-looking things. That's just why. What? I didn't need – that's the opposite of – I guess I'm complaining about the world world's ending of, like, not giving me an action ending, but this is not a movie that needed an action ending. Like it was trying to set up a deeper story. And I think that they just chose for the Hollywood ending that they felt would be better for audiences because Will Smith would look heroic. I just didn't like it, but I want to hear from you. Cause you actually love this movie. Mm-hmm. So do you like the theatrical ending of him sacrificing himself? And if you do tell me why. Yeah, I've watched both. Like, I think the other one's like on YouTube. You can just look yeah. it up and find it. Um, I, I won't die on the hill of one, but I honestly don't mind it. Um, I think she even says, um, uh, Alice Braga, I don't know how to say her name. That's Braga. She says, like, why don't you come with me? And he said, because they'll just keep chasing after me. Uh, they'll keep chasing after us. 
And there's, I don't know, how do you, do you think there's probably 70, 80 of those things down in the basement at that point? There's and, a lot of them. And, like, it's, it kind of goes into slow-mo because he's, like, this head, the head monster's, like, ramming his head into this glass to try to crack it, the one they're in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't, part of me thinks there is kind of a deep meaning to that, though, because, like, especially with he, if you remember, he sets up the trap and takes the head monster's, like, wife, wife essentially, yes. to test her. You know, and then and then that guy sets up the, the famous mannequin scene mm-hmm. where he s- thinks he sees the head move. He gets trapped. You know, so I think it was more of like a I need to meet this guy head on, and I need to like, like we've been going back and forth, and I need to end this. Like this is for me to end. Mm-hmm. Um, the alpha male, I guess, as he's called in this movie. Yeah, and the only, I mean, we we don't know because like we didn't see. The my only thing with the alternate is like, how do we know that when he opens that window that he's not going to get attacked? You know what I mean? Like, this whole movie, they've been trying to shred him apart. And even that last scene, he's running headfirst into this three-inch window to try to shatter it to kill him. So in the alternate, when he opens it, why why is he suddenly just, like, not ripping him apart to shreds? Like, you know, so th- th- this is a couple things of, like, does that check out? Because I think I, I think the alternate ending is just, for me, it's just, it's just deeper. And it's kind of that unknown, and it, it's the risk, you know, of, like, he doesn't know if the, this is going to respond to him. But he realizes that these aren't just, like, mindless drones of monsters that just are focused on just killing and eating humans. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they're things with feelings and emotions that have a disease. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just a, that's just a better better ending and a, a deeper ending and one that I think would have left me more satisfying also think would have just made the movie overall. It just would have heightened the movie. I don't, I don't think the ending of the original makes it terrible. It doesn't, it doesn't really detract from the quality of the movie, but mm-hmm. for me, you know, I just to put it in relative terms, this movie is like a three and a half for me. And I think that it could bump to a four or a four and a half with that. Out of five. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just, you know, I don't, I, I don't think I think they could have done more and I think that they chose to do the ending that was familiar rather than take a risk. Do you think that with his wife and son dead and then his dog dying, you think that was also a reason of like I got no one, I'm going to end this. Do you think that was a factor? I mean, I think that, that that is kind of the lens they want you to look at it as is like this is a man that's been suffering for a long time without anybody, but the, also the whole point of the movie is he finds these people and now he has mm-hmm. a, like a new family and people to look after and people to take care of and people to love and people to care for. And so then for him to go through all that work to just sacrifice himself again, I just I I just don't think it makes sense for his character and I I think I would have been more satisfied with the other one. So mm-hmm. All right, what what is your last pick? Uh, my last pick is a oh wow sorry Stephen yeah our um, guy Spielberg kind of <coughs> we love him seriously he's one of the best directors ever but. yeah uh, is Ready Player One um, I uh, really really actually genuinely enjoy this movie um, I think we talk about like the disappointing ending kind of hinders you a rewatch for you but I think with this one I, I I'm okay with rewatching it because it was very very well done a unique story um so essentially in this present day planet earth kind of sucks uh <laughs> R- like trash. you mean like right now or you mean sucks worse than it's it like wally <laughs> it's like okay. almost wally level trash piles right the very rich people and very very poor people and there's really no in between it's it's pretty bad actually the rich people are they even on earth are they like they're like above it, right? In the atmosphere, or are they are they? Still Gosh, I don't remember. Is it an Elysium type story? I don't. <laughs> I don't but know. um, the creator will just go like Steve Jobs level, like heights. He's actually what's funny about this. It's the same actor 
So Mark Rylance is James Holiday, the creator. Mm-hmm. He's playing the exact same character that he's playing in Don't Look Up. Yeah, There's, I noticed They're identical. But he creates a virtual reality called uh, The Oasis. Um, and essentially, you put a VR um, headset on at the very least, and you can experience it's this like, new world. It's living in the – it's essentially what people want to – what companies like Facebook, now Meta, want to create is this metaverse where you're you're just existing in yeah. just the VR headspace. And the more money you have, like at, at one point, you can buy a full suit where like if I get punched in the arm, I feel it through this suit because through the VR, it's hooked to that and, and it actually feels like it. Um, so you can actually experience physical pain or other things. Uh, and essentially the maker of this, uh, the maker of this uh, holiday, he dies and leaves an Easter egg in his game. And if you find the Easter egg, you will get all the fortune that he has uh, built up in control of the world that he's created. So, you know, that's... Do it, Jeff Bezos, you coward. Honestly. <laughs> um, and that's the process, right? Of course, the, the rich... Uh, the rich get richer, and the one giant company is trying to find it. Trying to find it, and they're and hiring has, people to do yeah, it. Yeah, it shows a warehouse it. at one point of thousands of people doing the same game, trying to find this Easter egg. And then you have classic these poor nobodies who are um, who are working on this treasure hunt. It's a treasure hunt yeah, movie. Yeah, and it's it's really fun. It's a really good movie. I really like it. So what? Why do you, Why don't you like the ending to this movie? Why does it disappoint you? Well, it's. And if I'm help me remember this, but if I'm remembering right, it just they right the good the good guys win, right? The bad, the top industry, the, the big big old industry guys are um, are um, arrested, right? They sh- they show up, yeah, and just cuff. Where I don't know where the cops have been the whole movie, but <laughs> yeah. they show up and and cuff um, the big dog, who's the bad guy, who's the antagonist of the film. Sorrento, yeah. yes, and then. Um, the ambulance comes for these low, these the main characters really, uh, and and that's kind of it. And you get this whole I think another through line throughout the movie that's important to this end is uh, parts of all the main character is like forms this relationship with Artemis, but has not ever met her in real life. Has only met her in the game, and then at the end, you know, they meet in real life and they kiss. And I think that like they kind of restore faith in humanity or whatever by closing the oasis, like what once a week or something and yeah like, like forcing th- people to essentially like be in the boomer life. go outside mm-hmm. and play kind of thing yeah. but for everybody um yeah i i think i would i i would disagree i i agree with you that the ending to this movie is disappointing because it feels like everything just gets wrapped up like in the last five minutes of mm-hmm. like oh they're arrested oh like he put all his time in the first hour and 55 minutes in the last five he's like it feels ah. like it feels like a sitcom ending you know or mm-hmm. like oh thank god that's over like you know everything's gonna be good at mm-hmm. the end um but i don't i don't like this movie you don't like it no so i've read the book i'm gonna be one of those people the book is just a lot more about the hunt and I feel like in the movie, we don't spend enough time on the hunt of this. We spend a lot of time on on uh, Parzival and Artemis being chased by this shadow corporation. But we don't spend a lot of time figuring out how they solve things. And for me, a lot of this movie just feels like a more heightened, well-done, auteur version of Space Jam 2, where they're just like, look at all the property we have access to. Isn't it neat we have a shining level? Look, there's a giant Power Ranger mecha robot in this final fight. Look, it's the Iron Giant. Mm -hmm. Like, look, it's Godzilla. I just feel like they were doing that a lot, which is a part of the book. Mm -hmm. But 
I just wanted them to focus on the hunt. But I do agree that it, they don't have as much detail or time though, like, that the book has. Yeah, and that is that's true. But I feel like they could have spent a lot less time for me on the real world stuff. Mm. And I think that they could have spent more time in the Oasis. Um, and I think that would have helped more. Because um, uh, for me, the real world stuff doesn't work. Like you're supposed to feel emotional about some of these things. And I, mm -hmm. I, I'm just, I just don't. I just don't care. Gotcha. I just care about hopping back in and seeing how you figure out the hunt. And mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like I really get a lot of that. But I do agree. Wow, in that this movie was two and a half, two, almost two and a half hours though. Wow. Yeah, this sitcom ending is just like, yeah, it feels like in the last five minutes, they're like, oh, and everything's good. It's all good. We figured it out. Don't you worry. Here are the cops. Like, I don't know. I feel like that dude gets away with this, right? Like the rich guy gets away with the attempted murder part, doesn't he? Isn't he I arrested mean, though? This, yeah, but like I feel like it, it, that's how it should have been. Like the oh. world that we're setting up in the story that nobody cares about the little guy and then all of a sudden everybody cares about the little guy. Mm. It's just really weird. So, mm. yeah. That's true. All right. So the last the last pick, that, and it's my pick, is a movie I, I greatly enjoyed on – I've actually seen this movie twice, and I've enjoyed it both times I watched it. But it, it's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, yes, yeah, it's one of the best, I think, solo Marvel endeavors that we've had. I think it's one of the best origin stories for a superhero that we've had as well. Um, Simu Liu is charismatic as Shang-Chi, and the fight choreography in this movie is great. The jokes normally land for me. I'm not a huge Aquafina person, quite honestly, but I think that her character and their relationship is one of the better parts of this film. There's some stuff that I don't love, the uh, Trevor Slattery storyline that they threw in to just do a nod to Iron Man 3 wasn't great mm. for me, but I, I like the story and I love the just beautiful set pieces in this film and uh uh tony liang's uh win woo is one of the better villains i think we've had because you feel emotion for him he's mm -hmm. complicated and um you kind of almost want him to win but you don't and you know he's doing the wrong things but for the right reasons yeah and at the end of this movie, there is just a massive CGI dragon fight. And I don't give a heckin' darn about it, guy. Like, we get the f part where uh, Shang-Chi fights Wenwu, and he fights his father, and there's a battle, and it's kind of emotional. And it's, that's a CGI fight as well, because they're fighting with the Ten Rings, this mythical But it's very well objects, choreographed. But it's well choreographed, and it's emotional. And I think it's effective. And... Th then at the end, just this giant shadow dragon breaks through a wall and uh, this other dragon comes out of the water and you get a dragon fight with Shang-Chi and uh, uh, Aquafina's character, Katie, helping. And actually, Katie is the one that hits. She becomes Legolas in the last 15 minutes of this movie and hits an incredible archery shot um, because they had to have something for her character to do at the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just don't, I just don't like it. Like yeah. I, I want, I think Marvel has been, and perhaps fairly criticized for just having a giant CGI fights all of the time. Yeah. Um, and I think they could have done this differently. And yeah. I, I just really would have liked that. How did you feel about this ending? I agreed. I, um, especially like with Aquafina, like I think she, while, while people were freaking out and like, all right, we got to get your things together. This is about to start. She shot like 15 
<laughs> yeah, bow she, and arrow. She practiced you, archery for like a good twenty minutes, and then maybe was like, I and am then an like expert. Yeah, and then she just hit this incredible like fifty yard <laughs> shot of the moving dragon. I was like, okay, that. <laughs> yeah. What you know, and um, I think I even called it in theater. I'm like, I swear, if they have her hit just in, this incredible, you did. Shot. Yeah, and it happened. Um, but yeah, and I think. That's, uh, you know, I watched the first episode of Moon Knight, and there's a little bit of CGI. We talked about that. There's a scene where I'm like, I mean, those. The bus scene. There's a car driving yeah. scene on, on a road. Like, I'm like, I'm like, even like, okay, you could do You some guys of have this. money to do actual yeah. stunts. Can so, we stop? Uh, and, you know, and I, I think part of me is kind of getting like, okay, I know you have the money, but can we please. Can we do some practical effects in these? I feel like they're kind of getting lazy of like, we can just do CGI yeah. with this part. Yeah. You know, and I think it was, it's. I hope they don't get more and more into that because it's it's not necessarily lazy because it might take just as much time and money to make it look as good as it does. But I think it's kind of lazy yeah, writing when you're like, well, we'll CGI this rather than go into the location to film this or go in this. So maybe COVID affected that. Maybe they're doing this in the midst of, of travel COVID to get to yeah, another country, effects. this, like that. That's so hopefully possible. that changes. But yeah, I felt like that very end, it was like, and I think they were just in this big old green box. The rest and, of the you know. CG and the rest of the fights in this movie, um, you know, I think back to the fight between uh, Wen Wu and, and Shang Chi's mother that happens. It's like that. It's this happens in a it's beautiful bamboo forest, and it's this like crouching tiger, hidden dragon style fight where they're like on wires and stuff, and it's like this sweeping martial arts, like serene yet visceral fight. Um, and uh, the CGI is done very well in that, and I think the CGI is done pretty much very well in every part of this. And this movie was nominated for an Oscar for its visual effects, but I think the visual effects fall apart in the end. And I really just didn't enjoy, just didn't enjoy the end. Didn't mm-hmm. enjoy that the fight was between two people that weren't actually characters, and it was just two giant monsters. Yeah. And I just thought they could have ended it more effectively. Yeah, I think that... Um yeah, I think whenever I like it, it, it kind of went to the credits. I, I actually think, like in my head, I said like, "Was that it?" Yeah. You know, because I was expecting like, just and they really set that up. And um, I may mention this like the hand-to-hand comment and the training of these individual characters in this movie. Like, that's like their specialty. You know, mm-hmm. a really good hand-to-hand combat and, um, this, and the, for this group that. of people. And then it was like. CGI. And then you got like Shang-Chi like twirling around in a circle doing some weird like magic thing with the rings and then like throwing a fireball at a dragon and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, what? Like, I don't, I don't want this. Yeah. I, I love Marvel movies. I do. I like enjoy them. I don't, I don't care if film bros don't like them and they're not real cinema and Martin Scorsese doesn't speak for me. But yeah, I kind of agree with him at the end. Of, like that felt like a roller coaster ending. Like, what? Are, this is just an amusement park thing. And what I kind of felt doing? the way about Eternals too. I'm like, man, this is just. Yeah, we're just doing CGI massive. heavy, and I'm what is, you know, you just can't keep track of what's going on. And yeah, with the nature of superhero stories, you got to use it, and we understand. But like, yeah, because obviously you can't film someone flying. You know, because people can't do that. It's just not effective. Just, and that's not the emotional depth of the story was not in this possible giant evil dragon wanting to take over the world okay it was a story about fathers and sons that's what it was and fathers and daughters mm-hmm. like it's a story about family and yeah, to have the family aspect of this be the secondary ending to the primary ending is dumb mm-hmm. it's just dumb so i i like this movie i still think it's probably in the top half of marvel movies for me but it, i think this is 11 out of the had, 28 so I mean, that's pretty I high. had the propensity to be so much higher for me if they would just stuck the landing and they just didn't yeah. so yeah 
I feel like so many times too, horror and what happens more in horror. Man, they have just a really good eighty-five percent of the movie well written, but like the ending, it's always I feel like, like direct, directors gotta, always just fall apart in the we, ending. We just gotta give somebody the big. Yeah, I just felt like they felt the need to give somebody a big set piece at this at the end of this movie, and so we could understand the stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got it. We sat there for the whole two hours and we're mesmerized for the stakes. You don't have to screw us over in the last ten minutes. Yeah. So. Yeah. But uh, that will be the podcast. Uh, today's been uh, disappointing movie endings after a disappointing tournament ending, uh, M-I-Z. Um, next week, we will be talking about something. We don't know yet. We're kind of in this weird lull of sports kind of sports. And but honestly, movies as well, because there hasn't been a movie wide released yet that both of us really want to talk about. So. so we will let you know on our Twitter, and it's going to be a cracked topic, so I hope you're ready to watch it. Listen, um, how are they watching us? What? I don't want them to watch us. That's true, actually. Never mind. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Don't watch. Uh, but don't forget to follow us on that Twitter account, underscore WDYW.